This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Let's start this morning in John chapter 15. We'll begin in verse 7. And he said this, John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, we don't use these and thous and ye and all that kind of stuff anymore. But I want you to notice in that verse, the word you is in that verse five times. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Folks, it's an unknown fact unknown to a great degree in, in much of the church world. But you getting answers to your prayers depends more on you than it does God. And Jesus is telling, telling us exactly that. If you abide in me, now if, notice the qualifications. Abiding in him comes through the new birth, of course. We make Jesus the Lord of our lives. Then we are in Christ, as the scripture says. So that, uh, that covers the first part, if you abide in me. But that's not the only criteria, not the only qualification. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will. John Wesley, who is the founder of the Methodist movement, man greatly used of God, a man that loved God with all of his heart. If you read some of the stuff of Wesley's life, um, well, with all kindness, it doesn't look like the Methodist church of today. He knew God. He saw the power of God in operation in his life and in his ministry. But he made a statement once toward the end of his, uh, end of his life. He said, it seems that God can do nothing for humanity except man ask him. He went a little bit further and said, why this is, we don't know. Well, I'm sorry that John didn't know, but the Bible tells us the answer of why. The answer is very simple, and that is because God gave man authority on the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and over all the works of our hands. God made the earth, specifically designed it, for man to have authority and exercise authority here on the earth. Well, if God did that in the origin, in the, uh, the origin, the beginning of the church, or the beginning of mankind is what I'm talking about. I'll get my mouth working here in a minute. But if God originally planned for man to have authority on the earth, and God never changes, then God still intends for man to have authority on the earth. Now, we know that the devil has certain authority. We know that he can do certain things here in the earth, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says Satan is the God of this world. There are three words that are used, three different uh, Greek and Hebrew words, or well, three different Greek words in, for the New Testament that are used talking about the world. One means the planet, earth itself. The Old Testament in the Hebrew says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means God owns the planet. It doesn't mean he's running things there. It just means he owns it. It's his possession. But he gave it over into the hands of man Another uh, word that's used concerning world is cosmos, which means the arranging, arrangement 
or the world system that's in place here. I used to think the devil took over the world system, but that's not supported by the Bible. I don't believe the devil's big enough to take over God's system just by Adam falling in the Garden of Eden. But there's the third word. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's basically the word eon, which means period of time. So when uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the god of this world, it means he's the god of this time period. Well, this time period is going to come to an end. In um, Luke chapter 4, Jesus was tempted of the devil, and one of the temptations, one of the three temptations that came against him, the Bible says Satan took him up into a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms and the glory thereof, for that is delivered unto me. Well, who delivered it? God certainly didn't. God's plan was not for Satan to have authority on the earth. But man forfeited some degree of his authority at the fall when he obeyed what Satan suggested did he do rather than what God told him to do. And so Satan is the God of this world for a period of time. He has authority and influence over this world for a period of time. But think about that too. If Satan is operating in this world with some degree of power, some degree of authority, why doesn't he just wipe the world out? The Bible says, Jesus said that the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. So if destruction is his aim, why didn't he just wipe everybody out? Well, there's only one possible answer to that, and that is he can't. Now, he wants you to think he can. He can't just make man do something. Man has authority in the earth. Man was given authority over the earth. And unless the devil deceives us, then his influence, his ability to operate is greatly seriously hindered and that's why the bible says that deception is the, the uh, really the only work of the devil the way the devil operates against you and me and everybody else is through deception but paul told us not to be deceived We're, he told us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices don't be ignorant of the way he operates now back to john chapter 15 jesus said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you Notice verse 8, herein or in this manner. Now, what manner is he talking about? You asking what you will and your will taking place in the earth. You receiving what you will from God. Jesus said herein, in that manner, the Father is glorified. And so shall you be my disciples. Now, part of the problem, and uh, I heard Brother Hagin tell stories about this forever about how people would come to him and ask him to pray for them. And so many times people didn't want to tell him what they wanted to pray about, what they wanted him to pray for them about. And he wouldn't do that. He'd always ask what for. And they'd say something like, well, do I have to tell you? He said, yeah, I'm not going to pray unless you do. Because when somebody wants you or me or anybody else to pray for them, they're looking for us to either have faith for them to receive something or to agree with them concerning their faith in whatever it is they're asking for. Well, if you don't know what they're asking for, you can't have faith for it. See, folks, when John, when John 15, 7, Jesus spoke in John 15, 7, to say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, 
to meet those qualifications, the word abiding in you, in nine times out of ten, or maybe more, the Bible already covers your situation. It already covers what somebody wants to request. And as a result, many times, maybe the majority of times, the things that people are asking God for are things that he's already done and already provided. Well, if you're asking God for something he's already given, something he's already done through the work of Jesus, the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, you're wasting your time praying. There's nothing to pray about. Now, I know how that comes across. I know that a lot of times if you take a position where the word is true and we're going to act on the word no matter what, and you tell people, as I have for years, that there's nothing to pray about if the Bible says something's already been done. People call you all kinds of names. They'll say you're cold, uncaring, no love, and so forth. And as a result, they'll go their merry little way to looking for somebody else to pray for them when the Word already covers their situation. What I'm saying is this, folks. If you've got the Word of God on something, there's nothing to pray about. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Look with me to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about, well, we'll just start in verse 8. He said, be not ye therefore like unto them, talking about the uh, Pharisees and such. He said, be not therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Now, the main point I want you to see here is that God knows what you need, but he still expects you to ask. Your Father in heaven knows what you have need of before you ask him. Jesus did not say your Father knows what you have need of, so there's no reason to ask him. He said he knows what your needs are, but he still wants you to ask. Look with me to Matthew chapter 9. Let me show you an example of this. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35 Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Another translation more accurately, more accurately says every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. 
See, not every person on the earth was healed when Jesus was here. But Jesus healed every manner of sickness and disease throughout his ministry. Remember in Mark chapter 6, it says Jesus could in his own hometown of Nazareth do no mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. That means he didn't have any cripples healed in Nazareth, any blind eyes opened or such. Well, he was anointed to do that. He said so. He took from the prophet Isaiah's scroll and read where he was anointed to heal the sick. But he wasn't able to heal the sick in his hometown of Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people. But he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. Notice verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion only because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore. He told them to pray for something. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now here's the question. If the harvest is the Lord's, And he said it was. And God wants laborers to go reap the harvest, which he indicated that he did. Why doesn't God just do it? Why did he tell them to pray? We know he can't be telling them to pray out of the will of God because that would make Jesus a liar and it would taint him with sin. So it's the will of God for there to be laborers in the harvest It's God's harvest to begin with, so why doesn't he just do it? Why did Jesus tell the disciples to pray for it? Because man has authority here on the earth, not God. See, if God gave man authority in the earth in the beginning but took it back, he'd be an evildoer. He hasn't taken it back. Look with me to another scripture over in James chapter 5. Well, let's just read verse 16. He talked about the prayer of faith, praying for the sick. But notice verse 16. He said, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Two things I want you to see on this. If he tells them to pray, believers, Christians, to pray for one another that they be healed, then that's got to be in the will of God or else Jesus would, or or the Holy Ghost, who inspired James to write these things, would be dealing in lies. So it's got to be the will of God for believers to be healed. Well, if God wants them healed, why didn't he just heal them? Why did he say, pray for one another that you may be healed? We'll have to go back to Wesley's statement. It seems that God can do nothing for humanity unless mankind asks him. Because we're the ones that have been given authority. We're the ones that have been given authority on the earth. You may not look like you've got authority. If you look at the situations going on in your life, and you certainly may not feel like you've got authority. But the Bible says you have it. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 15. Paul said, Wherefore I also... After I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and love of all the saints, cease not to give mention or give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, 
the eyes of your understanding, that word understanding means spirit, the eyes of your spirit, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who do believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, I want you to notice something. He's really not asking God to give you anything. He's asking God to open your eyes to something or several things. But he's really not asking God to give you anything that you don't already have. He's just praying that our eyes would be opened so that we'd see who we are in Christ, so that we'd know the hope of his calling, what God's plan is for us, so that we'd know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints that's already been given to us, and that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power that works in us as believers. He's not saying God will give you more power. He's just praying that the church, church's eyes would be open, the Ephesians' eyes would be open, the eyes of their spirit would be open, or that they'd receive revelation according to what they already have. See, folks, too many people are trying to substitute prayer for the word, and you can't do that. At least it doesn't work. I guess you can do it, and a lot of Christians do, but it never works. So he's wanting us to know these things that God has already provided for us. Verse 20, talking about the power, his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above, not just a little bit above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now notice verse 22, and has put all things, already done, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This is a real awkward translation as far as the language is concerned. It's accurate, completely accurate. But the Bible is telling us very simply that Christ is the head and we're the body. Well, we understand that. At least we remember reading that in a couple of places. Christ is the head and we are the body, but look at where Christ was raised to. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. And has put all things under his feet. Now, are the feet in the head or in the body? And that means under you then. And has put all things under his feet. Now, let's keep reading. Paul didn't write this in chapter and verse any more than you and I would write a letter in chapter and verse. And he's not finished with this thought. Notice Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened. And you have he, has he made alive. Just like he made Jesus alive, just like the power of God raised Jesus from the dead, he quickened you. He made you alive at the same time. Folks, if our eyes were really opened, to the reality that the life that is within us, the power that is within us, the wisdom that's available to us is exactly the same as what Jesus has himself. Then we'd turn the world upside down. Verse 1 again, he said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Then the next few verses he talks about what that experience was like. Skip down with me to verse 5. He says, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together with Christ? By grace are you saved. And has raised up us, us up 
together and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize Jesus is no closer to God than you are? Do you realize Jesus has no higher position than you have? Now, he's the preeminent one. He's the head, we're the body. But the head and the body have been quickened together. The head and the body have been seated together at the right hand of God. And notice where it is. It's far above. It's far above. It's far above. All principality and powers and might and dominion and every name that's named. Not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Now, folks, every bit of the devil's power can be found in what we've been elevated far above. Sickness and disease has a name, and the name of Jesus is far above it. Any work that the devil is doing or attempting to do in your life has a name, and we've been elevated far above it. Anything and everything the devil has ever done, the most heinous crimes, the most evil work that he's ever done in the world or will ever do in the world, we've been raised far above it. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over the devil's work in your life. You have authority. But so often, we get pulled back into the emotional aspect of prayer we get our eyes on the circumstances around us and the attack that's coming against us and we start praying for things that we already have. For example, if somebody was to pray, Lord, prosper me. Well, there's nothing to pray about there. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of this law, meaning the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. So if God's already told you how to prosper, there's no point in praying about it. Now, I understand that's the stuff that makes people think you're hard. Uncaring, unloving, and whatever. But that's exactly what the Bible says. There's no point in praying that God will do something to bring healing to your body or manifest healing in your body. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bared your sicknesses, and with his stripes you're healed. Now, if you look past the symptoms and see the truth, there's nothing to pray about. There's something to receive, but nothing to ask God for. I think the most effective way to pray is to demand your rights. Some people have a hard time with that because they think they're demanding something of God that he doesn't want them to have, trying to force God into doing something that God really doesn't want to do. Well, that kind of thinking only holds up if your idea is that everything God wants to do, he does sovereignly or on his own power. But just as Jesus told the disciples to pray for the laborers to go into the harvest, we know God wants everybody saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says, God 
will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, if God's going to do things just on his own, why didn't he just cause everybody to get saved? The fact is, he can't do that. He subjected his power unto his word. In other words, the word of God is greater than anything else. It's greater than God's ability because the word of God tells us, Scripture tells us what God will do and what God has done. If he was going to take over anybody's will or usurp somebody's will, it seems to me that the first place to start would just be make everybody get saved. We know that's what he wants. We know that's his will, and we know that he's provided Jesus for just that purpose. But it's left unto man's decision. And just as it's man's decision whether or not they'll accept what Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, to come into the family of God, it's left up to us to decide what, if anything, that Jesus purchased for us will become a reality in our lives. It's your choice. It's not his. It's your choice. Colossians 1.13 says that Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness. That word power is really the word authority. He's delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us, in, translated us into the kingdom, kingdom of his dear son. That's already done. That literally means, just as Paul said in other places when he wrote to the, the Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, I believe it is. He said, sin has no more dominion over you. Talking to believers. Sin has no more dominion over you. Now, folks, there's a big difference in stumbling and falling and committing sin and it having dominion over you. See, sin dominates the life of the unsaved, the unbeliever. But not just, not you, not me, not us. Sin has no lo longer dominion over us. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, no matter what your living experience is, no matter whether you are walking close with God or far away from God, as a believer, that simply means you are free from the law of sin and death. But wouldn't it be nice if just reading it made it true? Wouldn't it be nice if just reading it made it a reality in your life? It is true. It just may not be true for us as far as experience is concerned. But wouldn't it be nice... If Jesus said, if you abide in me, then you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. If that was all there was to it, just abiding in him. But you know as well as I do that many Christians, maybe most Christians, are living defeated lives. They're living under the authority of the kingdom of darkness. Not because they want to, but because they haven't found the truth of how to get out of it. They haven't found the reality that Jesus has already set us free. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he conferred authority over the devil to the church in his name. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Heaven backs us up when we use the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the devil and over your circumstances today in the name of Jesus. 
Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. I'll take care of things in heaven. You use it here on the earth. That's more than these guys have. Way more. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.